Jesus is always saying, I dare you. I dare you to do this. Let me, let me control a little bit. I'm going to open a door. I'm going to open another door. I'm going to open another door. If you walk through all of them or one of them, I'm going to start pouring life into you because this is how you need it. You know, you could choose something else, you know, and try to find life somewhere else, but here's a door to life. Come through and you're going to start experiencing it. So I feel like it's a challenge. Men love a challenge. Welcome to the Kindling Fire. My name is Troy Mangum. God is preaching a sermon to the world through people's lives. People's experience, history, and testimonies all point to some amazing attribute of God that you too can experience. I interview revolutionaries, fire starters, and troublemakers. This podcast is here to be a voice of encouragement in your life. A voice that says, with God you can, and with God you will step into the abundant life. So let's get rolling. Today on the Kindling Fire, I have one of my favorites back on the show. Uh, You might win the award. I think you might be the guy that has been on the show more than other (laughs) guests. But it's because I keep approaching you about stuff because I am so, like, I think what you do is so great. It's Justin Camp. Thank you for uh, coming back on the show. Oh, man, it's good to be here. I, I have been on a bunch of times. I love being on. It's like a conversation with a good friend. I don't know how you and I got originally connected, but it was definitely the, the God just whispering into your heart and my heart and saying, we, these two guys have to have to know each other. And so, yeah, I'm just grateful to be back here. So uh, on this auspicious occasion, we get to talk about your new book, Rescue. Uh, it, it has just gotten out. Uh, it was just released this month, actually. And, yeah, yeah, uh, like that. Yeah, so I'm so excited about it. Let me let me just tell, I, I've got a little bio on you. I know you, but I, I'll, just, I'll read your bio because it's actually got some cool stuff. you got to listen to his past shows, like the, especially the first one, because this one specifically, like early in your career, you were you were involved with um, a venture capitalist organization uh, investing in the tech companies in Silicon Valley. Prior to that, you were a Wall Street, um, a Wall Street guy, a lawyer on Wall Street. And, uh, and now you've been, uh, of late, you've been an author and you've started something with your wife called Gather Ministries, and you've just been after the hearts of men and the heart of God. Uh, and uh, it, it, maybe fill in a couple of blanks, do you, you know, about your family or how long you've been married, a couple of things like that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have been married 25 years, Jennifer and I have been, um, and I am 49, so I've been, been uh uh, married uh, longer than I've been single, so she and I are 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 um, you know both you know parents of three kids. We have two in college and and a girl and a little girl in high school, and so we're getting close to kind of the empty nesting. And then um, we uh, um, you know we run Gather Ministries together. So we started in 2013, and uh, she and I are uh, co-executive directors of it, and we have about seven people that work for us, um, you know, doing various things, art direction and social media and all that kind of stuff. But it's all kind of wrapped around our, you know, I mean, mostly writing, but we do a podcast too, and we do, you know, a bunch of different things. Um, but it's just, you know, trying to, you know, do our piece and in our identities, you know, in our kind of yeah. true identities, do our piece in, you know, telling people about the you know, goodness and love of God. <laughs> All right, let, let's let's get into your book, uh, Rescue. One of the things um, uh, in, in looking at it and looking at some of the material, there's something that jumped out at me right away, and I want to kind of hone in on that first. And that is, uh, the question is, how can, how can vulnerability for men 
actually lead to like the rugged, sturdy, hard, like um, uh, not hard, but sort of like the strong version of a man that everybody desires, right? Because a lot of times these things are like complete opposites, right? You got vulnerability, seems like that's going to lead to weakness. You've got protection, it seems like that will lead to strength. You know, so what? Give us some. It, it felt like when when I read that, I was like, "Oh, there's something." You know, like yeah. he's got something there. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the long way around. Um, sure, I will try sure. to make it short, but uh, to, you know, I'm I want to connect something we were talking about with wrapped and rescue. So, like you said, God's preaching a sermon to the world. He is including us in it. He's not just, you know, he always does that. He's not this sort of coercive, you know, um, uh, demanding God, listen to me. This is you're. I, I'm the only one you need to listen to. He brings us into it, right? He's always including us because he loves us so much. He created us in love for love and love demands inclusion, right? And so if he wants to tell a sermon, if he wants to tell somebody something, he always includes a human being in it. He includes a pastor and through the Bible, you know, I mean, he's, he's sort of including these, you know, some, some people are prophets and they get to be brought into this, this, um, this uh, sermon that he's preaching. Well, it's true in everything. So, um, you know, so some of the background of the book is, is looking at the life of Jesus. So he, you know, the time when he shows up, it's a time a lot like, right now you know it, it was a very troubled time it was a time of wars it was a time of political corruption and, and uh you know uh uh you know betrayals at the highest level our arguments about taxes arguments about power different you know corrupt politicians playing games and there were you know um uh there was slavery of a of a different sort than slavery exists today but there was slavery and there was there, you know, there were people who were facing, you know, who were involved in criminal activities. There were people who were just hurting because of marriages breaking and, and loved ones dying. And then there were physical ailments. It was a time where people were very, uh, were, you know, hard pressed. And, and you look around and go, gosh, we feel pretty hard pressed today. And Jesus shows up in the middle of this and he starts bringing saving, not just saving eternal saving, but he would actually rescue folks from what they were dealing with, whether it was idolatry or whether it was a physical ailment or, or whether it was, you know, focusing, you know, um, you know, your validation on, you know, work and, and achievement, he would speak right into that. And he was, he was bringing something that was way beyond what was available to the men and women of, you know, first century church. And so, uh, at that point, you know, first century sort of, you know, Canaan and, and Galilee and, and the surrounding areas um, uh, and Jerusalem, they, what, what did they have to sort of protect themselves and to, to meet their needs? It was largely the family, you know, it was the clan, it was the village, people would band together and help each other, you know, and that was their protection. And then Jesus shows up and he, and he, and he changes the, the paradigm. He is, he, he's, he's doing this and people flock to him and they crowd around him. And, and he's, he's, he's doing as much as he can as, as one man, physical man, he's healing this person, healing that person. And then he leaves, he was there for three years and he leaves. And I feel like so many of the people must've been scratching their heads going, is that it? Are we done? Like it, it we're no more saving, you know? 
And, 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 but Jesus prepared us because he said before we left, like, I, it's good if I leave because I'm going to bring the helper. I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit. I'm going to put him in each of your hearts. And guess what that means is you all get to be involved in what I'm doing in the world. You get to be me to other people because you have my spirit in your heart. And so again, this, this inclusion, you know, he starts inviting us to this into this work that he's doing in the world, not as kind of like sit over there and, you know, you can watch or something, you know, like you can see what I do. It's like, no, you get to be a part of it. When somebody needs saving, you know, like one man is caught in addiction, uh, you know, who's, who comes along? Well, it's Jesus, but it's Jesus through another person who's going to help that person speak truth and keep him accountable and, you know, maybe create a recovery program or something to, you know, get that person sort of, you know, out of the darkness that they've fallen into. He's always including us. And uh, I feel like that's something that's been lost, you know, that idea that we're meant to be together and help one another and do life together and rescue one another when we need to. And that's sort of the reason, you know, for the title of the book is that uh, God saves. Obviously he saves. I mean, he saves us for eternity, but he saves us in our circumstances too. And in our circumstances, most often he's saving through his people, through those, you know, unexpected family members, friends, acquaintances, strangers, you know, who are willing to step in and be love to us, to be a channel of God's love through their hearts and through their actions into our lives. And so, you know, you know, in, in our modern day, most of us, you know, like you're talking about the, the you know, the, this, I, this masculinity, this idea of masculinity is uh, runs counter to all that because the, the American masculine ideal is I'm, I'm, I'm successful. I'm self-made. Nobody helped me get here. I don't have any debt. I didn't ask for any help. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, I'm self-sustaining, you know, I'm self-sustaining, I'm independent, I'm, you know, self-dependent. Yeah. So, so, um, it, the last thing I can ever do is ask for help from other people mm-hmm. because that would reveal weakness. Now I can ask for help from created things. You know, I can ask for help, you know, to, uh, you know, to, to build my self-esteem through work, you know, through achievement, through a bank account, I can ask for help from, you know, alcohol, I can, I, you know, at the end of the day, when I need a little bit of peace, I can go, you know, I can, I can access the things that I have command over the physical things that I have command over. The problem is, is that we start asking those things to save us and they can't, Jesus can save us, you know? And so we ask too much of our things, you know, food, uh, you know, prescription drugs, illicit drugs, you know, uh, sex, uh, you know, pornography, you know, all of these things that we say, oh, I need something, I need something, I need something right now. You know, I, I have struggled with my weight my entire life. I'll come in after a, after a day at work, stressful day, I'm fatigued. And I just like start, just, you know, get out of my way. I need <laughs> that box of wheat thins, you know? And, and so we, 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 are a, we are a culture, we are a people who try to save ourselves through created things. And it, never works. It just ends in a, you know, in a, in addiction and, and idolatry and, um, and, uh, you know, we, we, we try to answer the darkness with more darkness. And so the whole idea of this book is to, is to say, look, the, what you need, 
What you really need right now is a brother. What you need is a sister, somebody who can speak truth into your life, who can be God to you. And, uh, and, and a lot of the, you know, therapy and uh, the things that all the self-help books, all of this stuff, I think was meant to be um, really, you know, we wouldn't need all that kind of stuff if we just, if we just, um, you know, reached out to people and were vulnerable and, and yeah. uh, they knew us all the way. I think it bumps against the idea, or at least for me, it bumps against the idea of like, okay, I'm going to be vulnerable. So is this my lot in life? So now I'm just Mr. Handout guy. Give me a handout. I need help. I need help. I need help. And it's, it's like, it loops into that lie. Like, yeah, like you're kind of giving up and now you're just going to be the, I need help guy. Right. Hmm. And it's, it, I know that's not true. That's why I'm, I'm kind of what do you think yeah, about? No, I, I think about, you know, in, in communities that I've been. So my story is that I was a very isolated person. And then, you know, around 2005, um, you know, when Jennifer and I were, you know, we were a team in our in our marriage and in our parenting, but we were not connecting. It was I was working too hard. She was actually doing a bunch of volunteering at, at a church. She was leading a women's ministry there. And we were just like this, you know, and it was it was a time where um, I got desperate and, and some friends who had been asking me to join a men's group for years, I finally went and, and I was like, holy moly, this is different. You know, um, Jesus promises that, uh, you know, when we are willing to give up those created things and, and run after him, come to him, then he, what will be returned to us is a hundredfold better than what we had before. And I started experiencing that hundredfold right away. Can you imagine a hundred X better than anything that you could, you know, any other solution you could come up with for the needs that you have as a human being a hundred X. So a lot of this book is let's try it. Let's see it. Let's see the hundred X, you know, God, cause this yeah. is a promise. This is a promise from Jesus. Yeah. Um, so when I walked in there that night and I started being vulnerable, it's funny, like, I guess on the, on this side of vulnerability, before I take that step, mm -hmm. I certainly, you know, everything in my mind is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And maybe because you're the handout guy and that's your lot in life and, and, and you're just going to be, uh, everyone else is going to be strong and you're going to be weak or, or what does everyone think about me? If I, if I am vulnerable, are they going to reject me? Are my friends going to pull away because they know, you know, some of the horrible stuff that I've done and I've thought and I've um, engaged in, in my life, you know? And so, um, a lot of things are rebelling in my mind before I'm vulnerable. When I am vulnerable, on the other side, it looks a lot different. And so <clears throat> the idea in, in this book and the idea sort of, you know, theologically is that when we invite other people into our lives, we, we don't get weaker, we get stronger. And that, you know, may seem obvious, but I, I, I think most of us go through our lives not, not, uh, believing that at all so we we walk around with shame you know for example and uh you know we sit there and go like i said what what would my friends think if they knew the real me yeah. Yeah. what would they think of me if they knew you know that thing that i did or that uh you know or, or you know that experience that i that i had as a kid or whatever and so you, you bottle this kind of stuff up and, and you don't, you don't let anyone or this struggle that I'm having, you know, at work or, you know, this, uh, you know, situation that I've gotten in with my boss or whatever, you know, you just, you just, you, you, we don't let anybody in and don't let anyone see that when we do let people in all of a sudden that shame disappears because where can it go? It can't live anymore because the logic is gone. You, now you have, um, 
you know, let people see you. They have accepted you because in Christian community, that's inevitably what happens because we all have the Holy Spirit living in our hearts. We don't pull away when somebody confesses. We draw closer to them. And so all of a sudden you're known, you know, they, you're known fully and people say, well, we still love you. We know that. I have that stuff in my life and he does and he does and we all do. And now you become even closer. So one, shame goes away because the, 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 uh, the message of what would they know? Well, they do know and they still love me. So the enemy with whispering in my ear going, what would they do? What would they think of you if they knew the real you? Well, they do know the real me. So all of a sudden shame starts starts going away, you know, and then, you know, things like prayer can happen. And I believe prayer is mighty, but we got to be praying about the right stuff. And so now the men in my life for me, because when I go into community, it's with other men, the men in my life now pray with effectiveness because they know what's going on with me. I'm not hiding it anymore. You know, they can pray exactly and name the thing that I'm struggling with because I've told them what, what I'm struggling with. And so the, 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 the ability of them to, to pray for me goes up. They're, the ability for them to keep me accountable over time, ask me about things and say, you know, how are you doing with that? And can we talk about, you know, things? Because I noticed that, you know, you're struggling with that again, you know, or whatever, because I'm, I'm updating them all the time. So we become men who don't need to run to the cupboard to start getting, you know, comfort from created things because our well-being is going up and we're feeling okay. You know, we may be tired physically, but we're not worn out because we're not carrying around shame and unconfessed sin. And, you know, and, uh, you know, we don't have anybody praying for us and we don't have anybody keeping us accountable. So we're just in that cycle of sin and shame and sin and shame. And so all of a sudden, you know, we, we're living the lives more like what we are supposed to. Now it's never going to be perfect, but it's sure a lot closer to what's meant for us. And so uh, I think that's how we become you. This is, I told you, this is a long way around. No, um, it's good. It's like, you're, you're describing it so well. I, I, um, this immediately, I think of this, it's sort of like words have power. They have power to shape your, your internal world, your, your thought, they just have power. And, it, and if we replace, cause right now we look at it and say vulnerability weakness, all right. That's kind of an equation. Vulnerability equals weakness. It's not strength. What if we're talking about honesty and truth, right? What if vulnerability is really you getting honest finally? Yeah. Finally, finally, yeah. like really being honest. We're yeah. not just talking about vulnerable. Oh, I'm just going to be vulnerable. And it's like, what are you? How about, are you just going to be honest? Like, let's be really honest. And then truth, the truth that Jesus talks about says the truth will set you free. Yeah. You want to be free? Yeah. You want Oh, yeah. Everybody wants freedom. Yes, I want absolute freedom. I want freedom over the sin that embondages me, my my hiccups, my things that I the, the thing I keep stumbling over. It's like the doorway to that freedom is honesty. Yeah. It's also called vulnerability. And you might call it weakness. But at the end of the day, it's just being honest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because how do we get better? How do we get better? I mean, the, the whole world of therapy knows this is you get honest, you talk about some stuff and amazing things can happen when you go and sit across from a therapist and you just get honest and they don't tell you very much. I went through a season of therapy and, and they don't tell you much. You go, it's mostly just me talking but I'm talking in a way that's honest. When I get into community, the same kind of thing happens. I start getting over things. 
I start, you know, when I bring my stuff to the community and men pray for me and speak to me and we go grab lunch and we become friends and they know everything and they can keep me accountable yeah. and they can worship with me and they can celebrate with me. I start getting over things, you know, like I have, uh, you know, for, you know, a little bit of transparency and vulnerability for me, my mom was diagnosed with leukemia when I was 12 and she passed away when I was 21, when I was in college. Hmm. And I had enormous rage inside of me because I had felt abandoned by God, by the world, by something. I just felt like my mom, my childhood, a lot of my childhood was stolen. My mom was stolen. And I was just I had this rage inside of me. I didn't know what it was at that time. I just wanted to be normal. So I just pushed it away and thought, it's okay. It's okay. Everyone deals with stuff like this. It's okay. And it took me, you know, I mean, decades to, to try to get to the point where I was willing to talk about. It. I remember sitting at our breakfast table one time and Jennifer goes, I think that whole thing with your mom impacted you a lot more deeply than you think it did. And this was like five years ago. And I'm like, I think you're right, you know, and I started bringing it into the yeah. light and saying, hey, this is, and it wasn't anything more complicated than just, just starting talking about it. And in that, in that community of men, the Holy Spirit is working because God is in me and God is in my brothers. And all of a sudden I start getting over things and I start becoming less fragile. Okay. So I start becoming like, like, you know, my kids would just be like, geez, dad, the smallest thing will set you off. Or I'm in the, you know, Starbucks and somebody does something wrong. And, you know, with my voice and my presence, I can just go after somebody if I want yeah. to, you know, and I did. And I look at that and go, wow, like, what is strength? Yeah. And what is durability? And what oh, is so like, good. you know, what, uh, if I'm getting better, and I'm, yeah. and I'm, and I'm, and I'm more peaceful and more joy filled, is that stronger? Because we have a, we have, we live in a culture where stronger is, you know, the silent type, you know, and maybe because of the marketing of the world. Now I like to drink, you know, I like to drink a glass of whiskey every once in a while, but that is not the picture of masculinity as somebody who is, you know, hiding in a bottle of whiskey, exactly. hiding an addiction, but we, but, but the marketing, you know, machine over the past 50 years has built a picture of kind of the cowboy who's drinking some whiskey and smoking a Marlboro, you know, and that's like, that's like, oh, that's masculinity, but that guy's hiding, right? That guy's looking for a way to quiet, you know, all of the negativity in his head, all the self-condemnation in his head, and the insecurities and all that stuff with something that we've turned into masculinity, but it's just false. The real masculinity, the real durability and, and like being a solid man is somebody who's willing to, for the people in his life, golly, for the people in his life, get better. And how do we get better? We get better with honesty and bringing people into our lives, you know? Yeah, I, I'm going I'm trying not to interrupt you and I'm trying not to shout. Oh, interrupt. I, I love it. But I, the thing that it's so like, I'm getting so excited about, it, it's like, we want to buy the appearance of a thing. I'll pay all this money to appear like something and yeah. I'll buy the clothes and I'll buy the whiskey and I'll do this and I will appear and maybe it will by osmosis make me into something. Whereas God is all about you being the something. Like, you don't want to appear like a strong man. You want to be a strong man. You don't want to appear like this and then have all these cracks and then all this embarrassment because you're not really the thing. It's a big imposter syndrome. God is like, no, I'm actually wanting to make you like 100% solid, like 100% solid. 
And the thing that we buy, the lie that we buy is, well, I'm pretty much like, I've got it all figured out. It's like, you don't freaking know nothing. Like, I, I, I guess that's my Southern coming out. It's just like, look, Jesus is the truth. And he's wanting to bring truth into your life. And you think you got it all figured out. Your perspective is correct. And you 100%. And, and it's just your ingenuity, ingenuity that's going to navigate you to some truth. It's like, forget that. Like, give up. It's a yeah. losing path. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, you know, I, there was a there was a guy that I knew in the venture capital world who'd been tr- tremendously successful and uh, uh, tr- like really, really, really successful, a lot of money and um, and made some incredible investments in the very early days of the venture capital world. And um, he got to the point where he, he actually went to the same church that that, that uh, Jennifer and I uh, used to attend and uh, we'd see him around some and he just kept getting more and more isolated, like the more money he had, the more isolated he would get. And he just started getting bitter because the more money he got, the more people would ask for it. And so he retreated, and I think he still lives there, to a, a big ranch in, in Montana. And he's the only one that's there other than the people that work there. He's just, he's living this isolated life. And, and culture would say, oh, this is, this is what masculinity, a life well lived. I hear that all the time, a life well lived. What? Like, that's incredible. Like, this is, the, this is an incredibly fragile human being who couldn't you know, deal with the fact that people were asking for what was so important to him. That's, that was the idol was the money and people would ask for it. And he said, I have to leave because I'm not, you know, I'm I'm just sort of, you know, I'm going to protect this and go and go hide on a ranch. And I think, wow, like what a, what a terrible existence, you know, with none of the people that you love in life, like you get to the end of your life and there's going to be a point where he goes, oh man, Life was actually about love and relationship and sacrifice. It wasn't about building, you know, this this bunker that nobody could get to me, you know, in. And and uh, I, I feel like I've done that. I've I've been that guy, and I am so done being that guy. I just want to go like as much because, like I said, that group that I got into. I've been you know leading groups ever since that one. Um, it was called this one was called the Cave, and it was back in two thousand five. These guys were the first where I saw men being vulnerable. Very, I mean, these are some of the toughest men I've ever seen, you know, in my life, you know, and they were being vulnerable. And uh, it was like, whoa, okay, I see what it looks like. And I want some of that because I see the, you know, not just the darkness and trying to cover up the cracks like you were talking about, but the overcoming, you know, the peace and the joy and the self-control and the fruits of the spirit coming into their lives. And that somebody who is living so that, you know, so close to God that they are just, you know, exuding the fruits of the spirit. That's a man that's strong. And how do we get there? Man, we don't get there with hiding. We don't get there with isolation. We get there together we yeah. get together. Yeah. You help me get there and I help you. That's just how it works. Yeah. And, I, and there's, um, man, this, this fires me up so much because God really, like God ran in community. Like there was the 12 disciples. It was a community. It was a band of brothers. It was, um, they were all stronger together. Pa- think of Paul and Peter, like, you know, they're not like, they're like buffeting each other, trying to make each other better. And, and uh, it's just one of these like rich rewards of the faith that God wants to provide. And it's actually called community. And it's not just the, 
I go to Sunday and wave at you with my coffee in hand and think that's called community. It's they know me, yeah. like legit know me, like, yeah. like my therapist knows me. They know me exactly. and, <laughs> and they're for me. They see God in me and they're going to fight for me. Yeah. And I'm going to do the exact same thing for them. And, you know, I, I got to say, like, like that sounds and it would have sounded to me, you know, 15 years ago, a bit like a vitamin. You know, like I should take it. You should get in community. Oh, yeah. When I have time, I'll do it. You know, when things slow down, maybe when I you know, retire, I'm going to have tons of time for community and that kind of thing. What what I'm the point I'm kind of trying to make in this book is that it's not what you think it is. It's not a vitamin. It's actually the painkiller. You and I and everyone else are sure to experience as much fear and struggle as anybody else in the world. We're all going to face it and community because we meet God most easily and most readily and most often in community because, again, Jesus left and put his spirit into your heart. So, so I can meet God face to face through my brothers. That's, that's why when, when I run up against something that's just too much to handle on my own, rather than turning for the bottle of alcohol, and I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, focus too much on on alcohol it's just an easy one i mean they're 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 idols of many others <laughs> and i don't want to pick on anybody who is struggling with the reality and the ferociousness of of that addiction um uh but uh, instead of turning to those idols we can turn to our brothers we can turn to god you know dietrich bonhoeffer said that when i turn to my brother i turn to god why because god is in each of our hearts and so you know, like I can go into the wilderness and meet God, you know, people did that throughout scripture. I've done that. I've gone into the figurative wilderness and the literal wilderness to meet God one-on-one, -on -one. but that's not easy on a regular basis, you know, to live that way as a dad and a, as an employee and as a, as a, you know, somebody with responsibilities with kids and with friends, that's not easy to do that very often. Um, we should be doing that every once in a while, but on a daily basis in life, we can do life with God by doing life with our friends, you know, whether it's, you know, couples community, whether it's a men's community or women's community, by turning to our friends, by turning to other human beings, we actually turn to God and he is a good dad. He's going to answer what we need. Maybe not the way we think we need that answer to look and maybe not with the timing we want, but he's going to answer what we need and in a perfect way. And so it's, it's, it's like everything starts making sense. Everything starts working, but we take culture's approach, which is vulnerability equals weakness. Don't be weak. And yeah. everything starts breaking down, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so one of the things I love about your devotional um, wire wire for men is that it's pithy and it's powerful. Like you don't, it, it's, it's really powerful and, and it's short and then the second part of it is always like, so what? Yeah, right. So what? You know, like, what are we going to do about this? Or what do you, what do you, so one of the things I want to ask you is in this context with around your book of rescue and, and if you were speaking to a man that's like, okay, like I'm interested and I don't have that, right? Yeah. I don't have what you're talking about. I don't have that community. It sounds like something I need or I think I'm convinced that it's something that's should, I should have, like, what would you say to that guy? Yeah. So uh, there you mentioned the, okay, so what do we do section and wire? Um, you know, it's something that is near and dear to my heart because I walked out of, I, I have walked out of some of the most amazing teaching, you know, 
uh, I've had, I've, I've just been able to, you know, I've been blessed with some really great pastors in my life since I was young. And so many times I would walk out and say, well, that was awesome. You know, and it was, it's great teaching, but what do I do? How do they, how do I make that practical? So everything that I do has that practical piece. And so each of the chapters in, in rescue have a kind of, you know, okay, so what do we do type thing? I want men to be able to go do something and actually get something back. You know, it's true of, of uh, the two prior books in the wire series invention, which is all about identity. Like you come out of every chapter with a gift around identity because you know something, you don't know everything, but you know a little bit more of who God made you to be at every chapter. Odyssey has the same thing. It's about those journeys into the wilderness, you know, and meeting yeah. God face to face and then rescue about building community. So each chapter in, uh, in rescue is about building your rescue team, this group of guys who are going to, you know, be part of your life and, uh, mm. uh, and, and start doing life with you. And so, you know, I'll tell you, so they're, 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 you know, God is mysterious and how he works, you know, he works e with each of us individually, but I believe that when you start praying, he starts answering. And most often we just want to close our ears to the way he is answering it. You know, you, you mentioned the, the, the 12 disciples. This is a ragtag group, a bunch of guys who, who didn't look like what you would typically think should look like Jesus's posse should look like, you know, um, they, they were probably guys who wouldn't have been friends. Otherwise they came from different walks of life. You know, um, they, uh, uh, you know, they, they, they said things that were, you know, not the, you know, they, they made, they blew it just like we blow it, you know, and, and um, it, it was a ragtag group. And oftentimes the groups that God forms for us are going to seem ragtag because we want to go find guys who are going to be strategic, offer strategic value to us somehow, you know, they're going to be they're going to be connected or wealthy or cool or whatever, you know, and, and have the right friends. And we want to be a part of that group or whatever. And God just works on a different, he works with different criteria. And so oftentimes if we start saying, Hey, I want the right community, he'll bring a few guys and we'll go, not those guys, you know, and, and sometimes it, it even happens almost at a subconscious level where you're, you know, where you're like, oh, not that guy, you know, and you're not even really thinking about it because it's so deeply ingrained that I'm going to try to, you know, craft this thing and make it look right. Yeah. Once you surrender that and you say, bring me the right guys and he starts bringing guys and you're like, I don't know, that guy doesn't look like the right guy. But you say, well, he could be he could be the guy that they got you know, is bringing to me, man, a ragtag group will form and it'll be exactly the right group. I mean, you can look back. I've certainly been in this situation. You look back 10 years ago and go, thank God for those guys. God knew, you know, that was the, that was the right group. I've been in both types of groups, ones that he's put together. And I tell you, we always kind of joke, it's the Island of Misfit Toys, you know? And then the other side is, uh, is, is a group that, that I engineered and dude, it was the hundred X. It was the, yeah, this is good good friends, whatever. It's kind of surface. We don't go too deep. And then this one is like, those are the boys. Those were the ones who came after me. Those are the, so, those are the ones I needed. So I'm going to just give testimony that that is exactly true. I was with a, a what considered engineered group. It's like, we're all kind of in the same space. We're all kind of desire the same things. We all kind of look the same, think the same. And then God put together this group of men, kind of hodgepodge kind of guys. And I remember like, the level of like maturity, experience, uh, you know, understanding, uh, you name it, was totally the whole spectrum. Like, you know, barely believe stuff to yeah. like, 
way over belief that, you know, just it was the whole spectrum. And I remember sitting there and I, I remember the Lord saying, these are your guys. Yeah. And I was like, seriously, like <laughs> not nobody's like me in this group. Yeah. And, and and I'm telling you what, the 100x that I that you're talking about is exactly my experience. God's we were so different that when God would move, all those differences would shine. It would be just exactly what everybody needed. They needed a kick in the butt or they needed, you know, you know, an encouraging word or they needed whatever. And somebody was there in the mix that fulfilled that role in your life. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it, things don't go well, you know, because you're different and, and people's, you know, habits or ways of ways of relating are just different and yeah. people are going to provoke us and make us mad and betray us even. And in all of that, God teaches us how to love. It's what we need in the moment, like the way that, okay. So I believe that the way that those men are, when you just let, when you let all the defenses down and go, okay, this door opened with this man and then another door opened with that guy. And I wouldn't have picked either one of them, but I'm going to walk through that door. I believe that even in the hardship, personal hardship with that person, or, you know, some of them we're going to like, and some of them we're not going to like, yeah. and in all of it, the way they are is what we need, you know? And in those groups that we engineer, the way they are, isn't what we need. It's not what we need. It's 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 what we want because our insecurities or our you know drive to achieve or our idolatry around money or wealth or comfort or coolness or whatever is driving us to need those people. And we start asking to, for that rather than rescue. We're asking for you know make me feel better about myself with uh, so with with you being together with me. And it's just sort of like yeah, okay, yeah. you get a little bit of something, but over here you're getting rescue. You're getting better. They're the men who God said, these are your boys, you know? Yeah, and that's, uh, uh, I, I tell you what, I, I think that is the most wisest. Um, I mean, that's really poorly worded, but it's, it's like the wisest counsel, which is basically let God pick, let yeah. God pick, like let go of what it's going to look like, how it's going to look all of it, like yeah. let go and let God do it. And it really becomes a rescue in that. You know, I, I feel like Jesus is always saying, I dare you. I dare <laughs> you to do this. Let me let me control a little bit. I'm going to open a door. I'm going to open another door. I'm going to open another door. If you walk through all of them or one of them, I'm going to start pouring life into you because this is how you need it. You know, you could choose something else, you know, and try to find life somewhere else. But here's a door to life. Come through and you're going to start experiencing it. So I feel like it's a challenge. Men love a challenge. It's just say, look, try it. Try it and see. Try it and see whether he's going to be pouring, you know, challenge, uh, you know, hardship, but joy and love and peace, you know, into your life. And, you know, I, I, I've never met a man who didn't surrender that need to control and start moving towards God through other people and just find what they've been looking for all their life in other places. Oh, that's so good. Well, Justin, it's been so great having you on. I love having you on. You are a, a brother from another coast. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's been so great. If people want to follow up and kind of pick up your book or find out about your ministry, where would they go? Okay. So, so the best place is gatherministries.com. Um, that's kind of the hub for everything. 
uh, Wire, you can just go right to Wire. So wireformen.com is, is the best place to sign up for that. Rushpodcast.com is the best place to see, you know, listen to the podcast that Jennifer and I uh, put together, which I'll just, I'll do a quick, quick pitch for that. That's just a, a one year, twice a week, you know, experience of God. It's just, you know, leading people into spiritual practices where they can, um, not through community, but just this is kind of wilderness type stuff where you go and you know one year experience uh, twice a week and and uh, and and encounter God. Um, so I, you know people, that's probably the that's the thing that we've done that people really I think engage with the most. And then you know the books you can you can find them on on Gather Ministries, but uh, you can also just go to Amazon and put Justin Camp Rescue and it'll come right up. Yeah, the the Rush podcast. The best way I can describe it is if you know anything about the Jesus Calling devotional, it yeah. feels like that. It yeah. feels like. And it's not just, oh, I listen to something. It's like an encounter. Yeah. It's it's a very interesting, it's really uniquely done. It's it's well done. So I definitely- Yeah, there are 104 of them. I mean, it's a lot. Like if somebody goes through the entire year, you know, um, yeah. uh, they're twice a week for 52 weeks, like you you will come out the other side a, a, a different person than you went in. You know, it's one of these things. You can't encounter God that many times and not be changed. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, Justin, thanks for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. Like I said, I just love coming on and talking to you. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hey, if you did like it, it would be really helpful if you want to send us a review over on iTunes. That would be really cool. And if you want to connect, go over to Instagram, search Troy Mangum or The Kindling Fire, and we can connect there. And that would be a great way to kind of stay in touch. I am doing a YouTube channel, so we do video formats of these podcasts, and we'd love to have you look there. Okay, guys, until next time, be awesome.